we can actually produce green energy that is carbon negative. We take the waste of waste, process it in a very different way. We produce is a very clean synthetic gas, hence the name standard gas. Today on the show, I have David Whitmarsh. He's a CEO of a company called Standard Gas. And what they're doing is they're transforming energy from waste and forming net zero solutions. So David, we were just talking about breaking the mold from what's standard in your industry. Yeah, quite exactly. Yeah, and picking up on the conversation we were having just offline, what Standard Gas are doing is challenging the status quo. We have always had ways, we've always wanted in, in the economies and in the, the communities that we live in, we produce waste. And that waste needs to be disposed of every day. One of the challenges is how do you get those established infrastructure systems to do something differently. And, and what we've developed is a very innovative, very disruptive way of dealing with waste. One of the challenges of us has been bringing other people on board to see things the way that we see them. Are you creating an alternative fuel? Yes, yes we are, and it's a renewable fuel. We take the waste of waste. So we treat waste after it's had all of the recyclates pulled out of it. We're dealing with that waste, which currently is either going to landfill or to incineration. Both of those routes to disposal are harmful to the environment. And that's the bit that we've been trying to address. What we do is we take that waste, we process it in a very different way. We process it in the absence of oxygen. We bake it at very high temperatures. And what that means we produce is a very clean synthetic gas, hence the name standard gas, but also a very usable carbon char and we're looking at ways of sequestering that carbon into building materials like concrete which helps make our process carbon negative i think that's a very exciting development around our technology we can actually produce green energy that is carbon negative we remove more carbon than we emit and if you look at things like wind and solar which are low carbon they still have a carbon footprint so yes they're renewable but they're still emitting carbon. There are very few ways that you can actually remove carbon from the atmosphere. And if we're to achieve those net zero ambitions that are becoming so topical, we have to, we can't just offset, we have to remove the carbon from, from the biosphere. So are you removing the carbon in the way you're processing the waste? Mm -hmm. Yes. We bake the waste and, and the process is actually called volatilization. So if you take anything that could burn so anything that, that would give rise to a gas, key part being that we don't burn it. But if you bake that at very high temperatures, you actually separate the gas and the solid. So you end up with this very energy rich gas, the calorific value that sits within the waste passes through into the gas. And then the, tor the expression is torrified, the torrified remains of that waste becomes a, a, a biochar, a carbon char. And what we're looking at is commingling that into products like concrete, which most of the leading academics in this field say, okay, that's the equivalent of a thousand year sequestration, that, that carbon's locked away for a thousand years. So not only are we taking something that by definition has no value, waste, you're throwing it away. In fact, it actually has a negative value because you're paying to dispose of it. We're putting that through our process and we're recovering two products, the gas, which is usable, and the char, which has obviously benefits to the net zero movement. So I would think this took years of research and development. 
Yes, it did. It's been 10 years or more in the development. We first started coming up with the ideas of how we would process this waste in around 2010. The first operational plant that we built came online in 2012. But even since then, we've been refining and looking at ways that we can make the process more efficient and more reliable. And we're talking about today, learning from mistakes and failure, gaining success from failures. We know as many ways not to handle our process as we do how to handle it. I often liken ourselves to the Wright brothers. They were the first people to come up with powered man flight. And they did it as a group of amateurs who just literally went out into the field, tried something, and if it didn't work, they'd change a few pieces and they'd try again. And they just kept going until they found something that worked. None of them had a background in, in aeronautics. None of them were engineers. In fact, I think they ran a bike shop or something like that. And we were a bit like that at Standard Gas. We built a plant, it didn't work. We changed some pieces and we kept trying different ideas in the field until we came across a solution that worked. It worked in a very rudimentary way and we've had to refine that. And we've actually used some of the bigger engineering groups that are available to us to, to refine the process. But the basic building blocks were created through trying and failing and trying again. And so the finished product you have today, what are the applications that are you're already starting to see? Yep. So we are looking at what, what's very much known as the hard to abate industries. So of course, we're dealing with waste and there's that's a whole sector of its own. And I think that over time we can show all of the big waste companies that there is a better way of processing waste than just burning or burying it. We're almost reusing that waste, recreating value from it. But the gas that we produce has multiple applications. And this is where we're really drilling into now. And, and again, we touched on why we called the company Standard Gas. I think one of the differentiating propositions of our technology over other similar technologies is that we do produce this gas that is as clean as natural gas. So basically anything that you use natural gas for, you can replace it with our synthetic gas. So it can be used to make heat. Obviously you can burn a gas to create heat. You can use it to put through an engine and make electricity. You can turn it into a transportation fuel. You can methanate it so it can go into the grid to be used in, a, in a, any kind of grid situation. And you can convert it into methanol. So it has applications for transport, shipping, aviation fuel, and so on. So it's a, it has multiple routes to market. And I think if you're going to have a technology that is robust enough that whilst being innovative and disruptive can prove a way through to commercial profitability, you have to have that range of market options. Yeah, this is a very interesting space to be in, especially with what's everything that's happening in the clean energy push right now. Mm. What are you seeing happen over the next few years? Well, it's, it's interesting you say that, actually, because not only in the next few years, but if you look back over the preceding few years, I think since 2020, we've really seen this move towards net zero. I think that the climate situation is being more widely accepted, you know, for the older generation, I think there maybe is still some debate around the human influence over climate change. But I think that it's there for all to see that there is a change happening to our climate. But certainly in our experience, the younger generations coming through now are much quicker to accept the concepts that we have to do something differently if we're to avoid these climate disasters. And, and we really saw that start to take shape from 2020 onwards. The World Economic Forum 
made a very clear statement that the biggest threats to the social, political and economic stability of the planet was climate change. And since then, you've seen a lot of the big leading companies, some of the major corporates, governments, organizations coming out with their net zero ambitions. And I think that looking forward, we seem to find ourselves in a position now where having been developed, being in the technology for the last 10 years or so, I can't, I can't honestly say that we set out to create a technology that would fit so well into the current renewables and net zero situation. But we have found ourselves with this technology that sits very perfectly within it. We That has opened up conversations with us across the globe, from China, India, through Central Asia, Southeast Asia, Europe itself, and increasingly North America, where big corporates are desperately looking for ways to match their net zero commitments. They've all come out with these very, some of them very bold targets saying, take Microsoft, for example, they will remove all of the carbon that they've ever produced since they came into operation in the early 70s. That's one hell of a bold statement. And good luck to them. They really are pioneering and leading the way in coming out with a very bold statement and working out ways to, to stand by those commitments. But we're seeing that increasingly now. And whereas even in the last couple of years, you would have seen some companies coming out with their carbon neutral strategies. Under closer scrutiny, you can see the expression is greenwashing. You can perhaps see that maybe they're dressing their window as such that they're making these carbon commitments, but you drill into it and they don't really stand up to scrutiny. What we're seeing more and more, and I think that's going to carry on happening over the coming years, is that there will be closer scrutiny over net zero claims. And I think there is a genuine drive now, particularly from the more forward thinking companies to find solutions like ours that can help them achieve those ambitions. What would you say are the largest opportunities in the energy sector if you were speaking to some young entrepreneurial minds who are thinking about getting into this? Yeah, I think there's three areas. The renewable element. So I think that certainly we need to find more sophisticated ways of harnessing natural energy. So wind, solar, tidal. I think that there's a great availability to really advance those technologies. I think I read somewhere that enough energy arrives on Earth from the sun in a minute to provide all of the power we need for a year. We've just got to work how to harness it. Wind, obviously, is another opportunity and tidal as well. But of course, they only work when the sun's shining, the wind's blowing and the tide's moving. So we need to find ways to store energy. And I still don't, I think there's a lot of scope to continue developing in that sector. But energy security is a big one as well, particularly here in Europe. We're all very aware, I'm sure, of the situation in Ukraine that's put pressure on Europe around its own energy security, its own energy supply. So I think that more and more corporates are looking for ways that they can take themselves away from reliance on national grid systems and have their own microgrids. I think there's a real interest there in developing energy security solutions. And I think the third and final area would be the carbon removal element. I think that the two are intrinsically aligned that we need power, we need energy, we can't keep relying on fossil fuels. So finding that alternative way of using non-fossil based energy, but also removing carbon. And I think that's where Standard Gas 
really does sit across all three of those sectors. There's a trendy thing with young people, let's become influencers, let's start e-commerce businesses. There's a real need here in mm. energy. If you yeah. start a business in energy and you solve a problem, you will be made for the rest of your life. I agree. And I, so I, good you know, message. I think there's a real message there as well. And we're seeing this more and more as well, which is around legacy. Yes, making money, having a profile, that kind of thing. There's attractions to that. And of course, for a lot of the things that we've been talking about to be successful, they need to be commercially viable. So yes, they have to make money first and foremost. But my, my before I got involved with Standard Gas, I was involved in commercial real estate. And uh, yeah, that was lucrative and, and financially it worked for me very well, but it wasn't very fulfilling. And one of the things I found with being involved with Standard Gas, but, but also I would say to anyone thinking about a career move coming into this sector, there's a real sense of doing something greater than perhaps the, the normal commercial enterprises. And I, and I think that's demonstrated in, again, a, 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 a trend that I've noticed around collaboration. So in other sectors that I've worked in that are more commercially minded, it's all about profit. And there's a little bit dog eat dog and you might, you might have commercially advantageous relationships, but at the end of the day, it's still about making money. Whereas in this sector, I get a genuine sense that people who are attracted to it are more open-minded, more collaborative, more willing to work with other people who perhaps in another field might be a competitor. Yeah, I'm seeing something similar. It's, it's such a large problem that we need to solve and we can all get on the same page about it. We need to fix this. Mm -hmm. So when you have that co collaboration in industry, that's when we truly see that progress. I agree. Yeah, and, and I think there are a lot of webinars. I think there are a lot of associations being built, put together where big corporates are getting together with NGOs and with government bodies to sit around tables and say, OK, we have a collective responsibility here to sort this out. And, and I think that I got asked the question recently whether I felt that, that would the cynics say, oh, yeah, but they're only doing this for commercial advantage. And, and I think that that's worth talking about. I think that there is a commercial advantage for those companies that, that genuinely put themselves out there as caring and being and achieving net zero. So if, they, if that is their only reason, their only rationale for doing what they're doing, well, provided it gets us where we need to get to, perhaps that's not the end of the world. But I do believe that there is genuinely a desire or increasing desire to, be, to do the right thing, not just be seen to do the right thing. And if you're solving the world's problem problems, you do deserve to be financially rewarded. You don't have to ask for it. The money's just going to come to you. Yeah, I think there's a particular in the moment, as you're saying, if you if you manage to create a technology or a solution to one of these energy security, renewable energy and carbon removal, I think that you that the, the financial rewards will inevitably come. I do think that there's a case for that. So David, if our listeners wanted to learn more about Standard Gas or get in touch with you, how could they do so? So they can do that via the website, www.standardgas.com. There's an info at opportunity on there. They can always e email us. That email comes directly through to me and we answer all of the emails that we receive. There's plenty of information on our, on our website. And if they've got any questions, they can always follow it up after that. Well, thank you, David, for being on the show. And thank you, Absolutely. everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki with Cosmic Design and Development. Make sure to subscribe, and we'll see you next time.